This morning, God's Word comes to us from Isaiah 53. If you have your Bibles with you, you may turn there at this time. It is also printed in the worship folder this morning. Isaiah 53, we'll be reading the 12 verses of this chapter. We begin our reading at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, everyone, to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for transgressors. Here we have the reading of God's holy word. Also in your worship folder today is printed Lord's Day 15, the first two questions and answers of that Lord's Day, 37 and 38. I'd like to read those for you at this time. Question 38, what do you understand by the word suffered, the answer given, that during his whole life on earth, but especially at the end, Christ sustained in body and soul the anger of God against the sin of the whole human race. He did this in order that, 
by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he might set us free, body and soul, from eternal condemnation and gain for us God's grace, righteousness, and eternal life. Question 38, why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? So that he, though innocent, might be condemned by a civil judge, and so free us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Well, we continue this morning to look at the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I said last time we could divide his life into two big pieces. Uh, we could talk about his humiliation from his conception and birth to his descent into hell, and his exaltation from the resurrection to the time when Christ will come again. Last week we looked at the beginning of that humiliation in the incarnation. The fact that Christ came down from heaven, he became fleshly, he became man, and that this was for us. This morning we look at his suffering. We're going through the Heidelberg Catechism and its explanation of the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we confess that creed almost every Lord's Day. Every Lord's Day we confess Christ suffered. We really thought about what that means, that Christ suffered. We saw last week the incarnation. One of the reasons for the incarnation is so that he could suffer. He came to suffer in body and soul for us. We look this morning at Isaiah 53, sometimes referred to as the suffering servant passage. You might remember from last week's Sunday evening, uh, this was the text that Philip explained to the Ethiopian eunuch, a text about Jesus Christ and his work. The servant who suffers, but not for himself, the servant who suffers on behalf of his people, who suffers for another. That's our consideration this morning. Jesus Christ, the suffering Savior. And as we think about that, that Christ came and he suffered, it's a humbling thing for us. He came to suffer on our behalf. He came to suffer for our sins. As we consider that amazing truth, the goal this morning is not so we feel bad about ourselves or look what we have done. But the goal this morning is to once again rejoice in what God has done. That in spite of our sin, in spite of the fact that we're not seeking to do God's will, He sent His Son who would suffer on our behalf. You're amazed at the suffering of the Savior. He came, and he really did suffer. Our confession says, during his whole life here on earth, but especially at the end, Christ sustained in body and soul the anger of God against the sin of the whole human race. He really suffered. Jesus Christ did not come and live a life of ease. We read in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs. 
He has carried our sorrows. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. His life was a life of suffering. Pain we consider of the crucifixion. There are uh, accounts written of the excruciating pain of a crucifixion, to be hung on a cross, the anguish and the agony. And our Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up on a cross. He was pierced. He was crushed. And that for us. He truly suffered in his body, in the death that he died. But he suffered also, we can put it this way, he suffered internally. He took our griefs. He took our sorrows. All of these things he took to himself. We talked last week about the fact that we have one who understands us. He was tempted like we are tempted. He experienced grief. He experienced loss. He knew the pain of losing a loved one. We have a Savior who suffered. He understands when we suffer. He understands our pain. He understands our loss. Because he suffered as well. He experienced in body and soul the anger of God against the sin of the whole human race. His entire life was a life of suffering. A holy God, a righteous God, a perfect God, now came down to earth in the midst of sinners. He dwelt in the midst of the unclean. Maybe there are times in our lives where we find ourselves because of our work or other circumstances in, in a crowd we're just not comfortable to be in. We don't enjoy being in the midst of those who, who are blatantly uh, going against God. We don't like it very much. How much more for Jesus Christ? The perfect, the holy, the righteous who left the glories of heaven, the light of the world, to come and to dwell in the midst of darkness. It was suffering for him. There's no um, analogy that will perfectly reflect what that must have been like. But thinking back in my own mind, an analogy that comes to my mind is, is the sense that you get when you go into a prison, I don't know if you've ever gone into a prison. I used to regularly visit someone in prison a number of years ago in another ministry. And there's just a sense of darkness. Even as you drive up and you see the walls, and you see the razor wire up on top, and you, you go through the first intake area and you you empty your pockets of anything that could be used as a weapon and you have to leave everything behind it. And you go through those first uh, metal detectors and you go through the first set of gates. There's just a sense of impending darkness. And as they take you farther in and you hear uh, the bars slamming behind you as you go toward the visitation room, just an overwhelming sense, this is a dark place. This is a harsh place. 
Jesus Christ got the glory of heaven to come down to a sinful atmosphere, a sinful climate. His whole life was a life of suffering. And, and he did that suffering. He sustained in body and soul the anger of God against the sin of the whole human race. Jesus Christ would have God's righteous anger poured out on him. The anger of the Father poured out on the Son. And that even though he was innocent of in himself. Is it any wonder that our text calls him a man of sorrows? One who is acquainted with grief. Jesus Christ suffered. He really suffered. Why? Why would he go through that? Why would he leave the glory of the light and come and dwell in the darkness? Well, our confession reminds us he did this in order that by his suffering, as the only atoning sacrifice, he might set us free, body and soul, from eternal condemnation. He did it for us. He did it to set us free. He took the judgment that we deserve. He came to pay the price we could not pay. We could not offer anything to God that would satisfy his righteousness. He did that which we were unable to do. He did it on our behalf. Don't miss all the personal pronouns in Isaiah 53. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. For us. Why would he do it? He did it for us. His fallen sons and daughters, fallen creation. We were those who justly stood under God's condemnation. God is a God of justice. God is a God who says sins against him must be punished. And yet God, rather than justly punishing us, chooses to demonstrate also his mercy in that he punishes the sin, but not against us. He punishes the sin in his own son. Verse 7. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. All of this, although he had done no violence, although he committed no deceit, all of this for us. He, the innocent, would be declared guilty 
that we the guilty might be declared innocent. He came to set us free. Free from the condemnation of God. And our confession says, and to gain for us God's grace, righteousness, and everlasting life. Not only setting us free from the judgment, but gaining us favor with God. We have the grace of God given to us. Kids, maybe you've heard the, the explanation of grace. It's an acronym. Of, of, uh, the first letter of every uh, word is part of grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. We have grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We have, we have a righteousness that is not our own. We have a righteousness given us through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 11. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. God accounts us as righteous. Not only are we no longer sinners, but God sees us in Jesus Christ as if we were righteous, as if we were perfect, as if we were obedient. All of his righteousness, all of his obedience credited to our account. Many will be accounted righteous because of him. When God looks at you, he does not see your sin. When he looks at you in Jesus Christ, he sees Christ's perfection. That's why Jesus came to suffer. That we might gain the favor of God and therefore be at peace with God. Back in verse 5. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are now at peace with God. A holy God and a sinful man had to be reconciled. How would that happen? It happened through the mediator, Jesus Christ. It happened through the suffering Savior. When he would take these two parties and in his life and death, bring them together. We are now at peace with God. We need not fear God. Fear his judgment. Fear his condemnation. We are found in Jesus Christ. The curse for us is God. We have received the blessing of God's grace. Jesus Christ came as a suffering Savior. Our confession asks this question. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? So that he, though innocent, might be condemned by a civil judge and so free us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Remember Pilate, children. Pilate, the one who would listen to Jesus. The Pilate, the one who would judge Jesus. Remember that Pilate wanted to release Jesus. He tried to find ways to set Jesus free. He recognized his innocence. And yet Pilate would follow after the calls of the crowd, and he would judge Jesus to be condemned. Pilate looked on Jesus only as a man and saw the innocence of the charges brought against him. 
and yet Pilate is held accountable. We cannot free Pilate from his role in the crucifixion of Jesus. He was fulfilling the will of God, yet responsible for his choice. Verse 10 reminds us, this all didn't happen by accident. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. God looks upon Jesus Christ, not simply as a man, but as the God-man, as the mediator, as the one who would suffer in the place of his people. And God exercises his justice against the suffering Savior, Jesus Christ, to perfectly fulfill his will. God's determination to save a fallen people God was not required to save anyone. But deciding to save, he would save in the only way possible, through the God-man Jesus Christ. For the one who would come and suffer the full wrath of God poured out upon him, the one who would suffer for humanity because he was human himself. Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man, would experience the judgment of God. The judgment of God for all of his people, not for all people. He would experience the judgment of God for all of his people. Don't miss what it says in verse 11. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Not all. Make many accounted righteous. And again from verse 12. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. Jesus did not come to bear the sins of all. He came to bear the sins of his own. He came to bear the sins of those whom God the Father had chosen. And I, we talk about the nature of the atonement. It is particular. It is for those whom God has chosen. I think it's easy for us to try to defend <clears throat> against a universal atonement that Christ came for absolutely each and every one. We have a limited atonement. And it's easy for us to focus on that as if that number is few. But notice what the prophet says. He didn't come that a few would be accounted righteous. He didn't come to bear the sins of a few. He came to bear the sins of many. Many. Each and every one whom God had chosen, each and every one who humbles themselves before Jesus Christ, each and every one who would embrace him, the sins of many. If you are here this morning thinking, well, that number must be full already. I guess I'm too late to have this blessing come to me. It was for many that he came. This morning, once again, God calls us to humble ourselves before Jesus Christ, to embrace him as our suffering Savior, 
and to be accounted as, as a part of that many whom God has chosen, whom the Son has redeemed through his suffering. The gospel God does not give out and salvation God does not give out miserly, but he gives it out in greatness, in fullness, in abundance for all who embrace Jesus Christ. This is true for you. The blessings of knowing a suffering Savior. One who suffered in body and soul. One who, who knows your weakness. One who knows your pain. One who knows your temptations. One who would suffer on your behalf. One who, whose righteousness, whose obedience is credited to you. Through his suffering, you are made at peace with God. Oh, this morning, we don't leave saying, oh, we feel so sorry for Jesus. We feel sorry for Jesus. Or we feel so badly about what, he, what we have done. No, we are humbled. Humbled before God and rejoicing that in spite of who we are, God would in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, send that suffering Savior, send his son, Jesus Christ, that many may know the joy of salvation. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we truly are amazed. When we consider our own sin, when we consider our own fallenness, we are amazed that you would, you would choose to save anyone. And yet you have made that choice. You have decided to save your own people and you have accomplished that salvation in the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, a suffering Savior. Lord God, may we rejoice in what he has done. May we take joy, not in our actions, anything we can offer, but a joy that he would leave the glory of heaven. He would dwell among sinful men and women, and he would do all of that for us to secure our eternity with you forever. We thank you. We praise you for the work of our suffering Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.